You are listening to Hound's Tooth Heroes. If you are new to the program or just can't remember, you can find us on Facebook or you can find us on Twitter at H-Tooth Heroes. My name is Greg Dawkins, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Ellis Metz. How are you, Ellis Metz? You know, still a bit down in the dumps about uh, last night's men's 400-meter sprint. Really? Is that a sprint? I think it's a sprint. Where... Uh, our boy, friend of the program, Karani James of Grenada, took the silver medal, which still absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, fell to a guy who shattered Michael Johnson's world record, but uh, you know, not not the result we hoped. So I guess right. I'm just barely making that, it today. That is first what I'm loser saying. is what he got. Is what you're saying right here? Yes. Yeah. That's just what's happening with you. Oh, not much, brother. I am sitting here enjoying an American day and drinking a cold, delicious Miller Light. What about yourself? I have on tap here next to me uh, one of my favorite things about living in Nashville, i got to say, the Yazoo Summer Seasonal. Ah, uh, It's a nice. little, little tangy, little salty. It's good stuff. Good enough. Uh, real quick housekeeping notes. We would not be here if it weren't for the good people at Wild Bill's Wing Sauce. Fresh off the Best in Show Award. It's at the World Hot Sauce Awards. Uh, so congrats to front of the program, Bill Howard, for that. He's added a spicy and sweet sauce. And you can always find them at wildbillsauce.com or wherever Bama Wise products are sold. And thanks also to Druid City Brewing in Tuscaloosa for always keeping us in the tasty of suds when we get that way. The Riverside Saison, the downtown North Porter, which, by the way, just won mm -hmm. Best in Show at the Alabama Craft Beer Awards. And the Lamplighter IPA, your personal faves, but your mileage may vary. Uh, remember, when you're in Tuscaloosa, you can always park at the brewery. Uh, easy walking distance to the stadium, and by, while we're at it, uh, they are rolling right now with a blueberry wheat, uh, which is gold and purple, presumably, and 100% of the proceeds of that go to our friends in Louisiana for flood relief, so get on down there and pick some of that up. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and I'd just like to, to sort of interject that our friend there, Bo Hicks, is an inspiration in so many ways. Uh, if you don't follow him on Facebooks or Twitter... He walks all the time and posts these great updates. Uh, he's an awesome dude and really, really proud of the work they're doing to benefit Louisiana. Absolutely. And this is going to be a short one, guys, but we were presented with the opportunity to have what we perceive to be the finest recruiting analysis in all of Alabama, if not the nation. And by the name of Mark Jennings, perhaps you know him from his AL.com podcast with Drew Champlin or from his Twitter account at MarkJennings55. So we are absolutely thrilled to have Mark uh, joining us. And Can you get him on the phone, Ellis? We're going to do our best to dial him up right now. Hey, hey. Th this is Mark. Hey, Mark. How are you, buddy? Doing well. How, uh, how are you guys doing? Well, well, you know, we can't complain. Uh, let's go ahead and introduce you to our uh, Wait, are, listeners. Are we, all, are we all now? We're on now, my friend. Oh, We're on all the right. Air. Well, okay, good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, we have already told everybody that you are the finest recruiting analysis in the state of Alabama, if not the world, and that uh, they can always find you on AL.com and your podcast with Drew Champlin uh, or on Twitter at MarkJennings55. Now, you have an interesting story, Mark. Now, I know you uh, you came from humble beginnings, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um uh, do you want the short story or the long story? Well, go, give us give us five minutes. I mean, or whatever you feel okay. like doing. Okay. All right. Well, I, I basically I started recruiting analysis back in the late seventies. 
back when I was in my in my late twenties, early thirties. Right. Uh, really started getting there. You know, back then I had my little video projector, my film projector set up, and it was really difficult to get film then. You know, that, these days it's easy. You just go online on Huddle, and coaches can share film with you. That wasn't the case back then. So I really started back then and breaking down players and developing some contacts. You know, I'm a, I'm a blue collar guy. Uh, I always did some uh, some maintenance work, some some groundskeeping to support my, my first love, which is, of course, recruiting and breaking down film. Right. And then, uh, you know, I met Drew Champlin, who has his podcast, the Chance Corner podcast that you guys talked about. And he, he invited me to come on his podcast, and uh, it's really taken off. And he's helped me get a Twitter. He's helped me get an email. And and uh, I've been able to use my, my years of expertise and experience to, to share some of my insight with some uh, some people who are also big fans of recruiting. And that's such an honor for me to do that. It's very humbling. Uh, for me, I'm a very humble guy, uh, and 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 that's that's about it. You know, I was working at a golf course for a long time, lost that job, started working at a bowling alley uh, as the night manager. Got some management experience, it's something I really wanted. Turned down some lucrative offers to be uh, a consultant for some teams along the way, but uh, uh, you know, I couldn't turn down that management experience that the bowling alley offered. Uh, so I took that job for a while, and uh, my boss was apparently doing some things that the federal government didn't really approve of. Well, now uh, he was running a casino, wasn't he, Mark? Yeah, well, you know, that, that's what Obama would have you believe. Right, uh, right. I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. I, I can't really say, to be honest with you. I, I don't want to implicate him. He's been such a mentor to me. Uh, this is a great influence on my life. I look at guys like him and, and guys like Mr. Trump and their business acumen and how well they've they've how well off they are. And that's something I strive to do in my life. And so um, for a good friend like Dwayne, I'm not going to impl- implicate him in anything. We'll just say that, uh, he had to leave the country. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. I was blessed. to, to he, he gave me some of his money uh, when he left, and I ended up buying the golf course back from which I was fired. I was able to – I hired a whole bunch of new workers. Uh, I believe you call them, call them expats, I believe is the phrase. Right, the right, people right. People who – who are not, who live in this country but are not from here? I don't know what you call them. And so I was, I'm able to get really cheap labor that way, uh, save a bunch of money, and make a lot of money. And so now I spend most of my days uh, managing the course and breaking down film, and and spending time with my lovely wife. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm excited. Football season's coming up. It starts this week in Alabama. Uh, first game is Thursday night. Uh, right now I'm going through and looking at players uh, last year's film and seeing who I want to go see in person this year and how I want to make those travel arrangements. Manuel's my driver. I told him to be on notice on th- on Thursdays and Fridays for any high school games. And uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to. So I, I hope I haven't gone on too long talking about myself. I am a very humble person uh, despite all the success that I've had recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And I'm, I'm thrilled to be on your podcast. Well, we're thrilled to have you, and I do understand congratulations are in order. Yeah, well, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and break the news here. Um, my wife my wife is pregnant. Mm. Uh, you know, it's going to be our third child. I've got two daughters uh, who, are, who are grown and out of the house, and we're excited about this third child. That's, that's on its way. And that's so uh, it's, due, it's due during football season, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to be there for the birth, obviously. Right. Um, but uh, we're we're excited, you know. A part of me, a part of me, uh, is hoping that it's a boy, so I can carry on my namesake, and maybe I can teach him about the game of recruiting and breaking down film. Uh, but but we'll we'll see how it goes, you know. God God has blessed us with this child. We're really looking forward to it. So uh, thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate it. 
and we're looking forward to it. Fantastic. You want to go ahead and uh, get into the meat of the conversation? Sure. What do you want to know? I want, dude. You're the you're the recruiting guru. You know everything there is to know about recruiting. So obviously we're an Alabama podcast. So why don't you uh, give us two or three guys you're the most excited about? Uh, the two thousands, the upcoming class, the guys mm-hmm. who've committed and not yet signed. That's them. Yeah. All right. So there's a few players I really like here. Clearly, I think the obvious are going to be guys like Najee Harris out of Antioch, California. The consensus number one player in America. I think he has showed out at every camp he's gone to, and this is uh, he is without a doubt the number one player. I'm not a big fan of these recruiting experts. You know, they'll have you go on go on and pay ten dollars a month of your hard earned money to get their their info, and they really don't know what they're talking about. Um, and I'm not a big fan of them, but I think this is one of the situations where they got it right. I think he is the number one player in the country. Everyone else talk about him. The player that I'm the, that I would be the most excited about if I were an Alabama fan is Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of South Florida. He's six one. He's currently about one eighty. He's got a frame to put on about twenty and twenty 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 to twenty five more pounds of muscle, not really losing any of his speed. I went to the opening in Oregon with Drew uh, a few weeks ago. I was able to see him in person. And this guy's the real deal. Uh, he's got these, 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 he can easily go high point a ball, ball over a defensive back. He can fly by a defensive back. He's an excellent route runner for uh, a guy his age. He's only a high school senior. He's really got all the skills that you want, a big-time wide receiver. Uh, it, it, the, the one question I would have about him is his consistency. He's got that tendency to take a few plays off, but that's something that can easily be taught out of a kid once he gets to college and, and gets some really big-time college coaching. So if I were an Alabama fan, that's the commit I'd be most excited about. I love this kid. He reminds me a lot of Peerless Price. Do you guys remember Peerless Price? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Peerless Price was a heck of a heck of a player. I don't he, know why you're making those sounds. He was like. a heck of a player. For those uninitiated, Peerless Price uh, caught passes from one T. Martin for the 1998 national champion Tennessee Vols. That was that was that's that's some great players. I remember when those players recruited back were recruiting back in 94 95. I told everybody I knew this team's going to be able to win the national championship even after Peyton Manning leaves. And that's exactly what happened. I loved Peerless Price the same way I love Jerry Judy or I loved Peerless Price coming out of high school the same way I love Jerry Judy now. I think this is an all-around player. I honestly think he's the best player at Alabama's class. Uh, even though you have guys like Najee Harris and Tua Tagovailoa coming in, the big-time quarterback out of Hawaii, uh, I love Jerry Judy. Other guys, uh, you know, mentioned Tagovailoa, uh, n- number one player in the country, but you know, quarterback is a real difficult position to project. I, I-, I can't disagree with that ranking right now, given by the recruiting experts. But I, I- it- it- if he comes in and and he doesn't play in Alabama, that's not be real surprised to me. I love Jalen Hurts last year. And I believe he's come in and been real successful so far in scrimmages and practices for Alabama. He's going to compete for that starting job this year. So that's, that's going to be real difficult to see how that turns out. Um, you got to like Markel Benton. Whenever you can go out and get a player uh, from eastern Alabama, with what we call the Auburn part of the state, uh, and it's really an Auburn pipeline, I think that's a big get. I really like Ben Davis. He is your prototypical. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about last year. I'm sorry. Dang, I'm getting, keep going. I'm sorry. Um uh, a couple of under-the-radar guys is Hunter Brannon. He's not very highly rated, but if you look at him, he's playing tackle for his high school team. And this guy is your natural guard. He's got the body size for a guard. He's got the lateral quickness for a guard. He's got that agility. He's really a run blocker first, 
And in high school, he used to have to play tackle, and he's doing more pass blocking than run blocking. That's not his natural fit. So these national recruiting guys are only looking at him as a tackle. This guy's a natural guard. He's a little bulldog back there. I love that player. Another underrated player I like is Thomas Fletcher. Uh, he currently goes to the IMG Academy. I'm not a big fan of the IMG Academy, um, the way they do things. I think it kind of it, it, it. I'm not a big fan of taking uh, away from academics. Um, and I think there's kind of a, a get around that IMG Academy does. I don't like it. I'm always looking for the kid first, and I first I always believe the most important thing for a kid should be getting a good education. I think IMG Academy kind of gets away from that. I'm ranting a little bit. I like Thomas Fletcher. He's a long snapper. He's six one, mm. two hundred fifteen pounds. I'm- I, I understand you've 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 done some research on the the long snapper. Well, I think I think special teams is a really undervaluated position. Uh, you can watch a football game and you can learn the importance of special teams. But you go on these recruiting websites and these special teams guys are nowhere to be found. You know, I, I think that special teams are important. I think having a good long snapper is important. I think this guy's an NFL caliber long snapper. When you're looking at long snapping, you're looking for a guy who could really get the ball from the, from the center position. 15 yards back to to the punter and under about 0.75 seconds. That is a high quality Division One long snapper. This guy can do that. He's excellent at getting his upper body strength and using it to thrust the ball backwards, getting that perfect spin on the ball. And he's even so good he can get do what the NFL guys do and get those laces exactly where the punter or the holder for field goals wants them. I think that guy's a heck of a player. You can see how many times games turn because a long snapper snaps it over the punter's head, gets a bad snap, punter can't handle it. With Thomas Fletcher in there, he's not going to have that problem. And you saw with Cole Mazza how solid he was over his career at Alabama. Thomas Fletcher's going to be the same way. And he's really going to help those special teams for Alabama be a weapon and really flip field position. And I love this player. I'm excited about him. I'm excited to see him perform and get out there. Not a lot of guys look at the long snappers. One of those positions where once you get out there, you only get noticed if you screw up. But this guy's a phenomenal long snapper. He's a great player. I'm excited to watch him when he gets to the college level. If I watch college, I don't. But if I did. That's something that that the listener is going to find interesting. You don't watch the college football at all. I, I, I watch very little. Left to be able to go to a couple of games last year. My old friend Armando, I didn't mention him, but he and I went to a couple of games last year. I don't. It really takes away from me breaking down film. What I like to do on Saturdays is, is take all the film I can from Friday night's game and analyze them and break them down and really um, make these evaluations for you and, and the other listeners on this podcast and Drew's podcast. Every once in a while, I get a coach come in and ask about a player, and I want to be able to give him an honest answer. So honestly, I don't watch a lot of college games. Uh, Drew gives me a lot of information about the college players once they get there and how they're performing. I still have a lot of contacts in the college game from coaches at Alabama and Auburn, so I know a little bit what's going on. But to be honest with you, you know, I don't watch a whole lot of college football. All right, all right. Well, since we uh, since you brought up the uh, Jalen Hurts situation, uh, let's go ahead and get into the uh, quarterback issue. Mets, you seem to know a little bit more about this than I do. There's been some uh, movement uh, with regard to quarterbacks, uh, with the first fall practices breaking out. Yeah, I think you could say that, and, and it's all relative in the fact that I know more than you do about this because my knowledge is still pretty limited. But, um, you know, when we took these polls, very official polls on the Twitter account, on the Twitter machine, as it were, 25% of heroes said they wanted Jalen Hurts at quarterback, but only 7% actually thought he would be named QB1. I think if we retook these, and we may, polling is, you know, fluid as it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
since this Saturday's scrimmage, which was closed to the media, word has sort of spread like wildfire that Jalen Hurts is making a charge for the QB1 position. Uh, rumor has it he had about a 50-yard touchdown pass to Robert Foster and maybe more intriguingly a 50-yard touchdown run. Uh, I also read from various sources that he led the offense on a really nice drive against the first-team defense down into the red zone in kind of a two-minute drill. Uh, but as the clock struck zero, he rolled out and threw an interception in the end zone. Mm. So, you know, one of Saban, I think, uh, one of the things he looks for the most is being able to protect the ball and kind of manage the offense as opposed to those flashy 50-yard runs. Uh, so it'll be curious to see kind of what his takeaway was from that. Right, and I am uh, obviously crestfallen about this situation because, right. you know, if Jalen Hurts gets a start, it's obvious that uh, Blake Barnett's going to have to transfer, and then I'm going to have to find a new boyfriend. Mm. Or become you know? a fan of Southeast Missouri State. I, I could always do that. I could always do that. Uh, what's, your, what's your hot takes on this? I know you've got contacts inside the department there. I, I uh, do. I'm glad you asked me this. My take on Blake Barnett is this is a kid – you know, God bless him, all the talent in the world, but he's not really focused on football right now. He recently got engaged. He's got some social girlfriend out in California or something he's going to marry. Uh, I don't think his mind is really on football right now, and that's really holding him back. I think he might be the most talented guy on quarterback on the roster, but apparently he's not showing it. And what you guys said about Jalen Hurts, that's the same thing I'm hearing. He's, he's really performed well in scrimmages. He's got great arm strength. He's got great foot speed. I really thought he was underrated last year. Uh, and, and should have been highly rated, but again, these national recruiting guys. Uh, I, I think he is the best quarterback right now is performing on the roster, but then again, we are talking about Coach Saban here, and he likes to do things, or he likes to take a guy who knows the offense the best, and I think that's probably Cooper Bateman. If, it, if, if I had to guess right now, I would think Cooper Bateman starts week one. He platoons with Jalen Hurts, and eventually Jalen Hurts is going to take over the job. Mm. I think at some point it's going to be Jalen Hurts' job, uh, until he graduates or, or goes or leaves early, um, but but my opinion, if I had to guess right now, I would say Cooper Bateman's going to get the start against who do they play first? Uh, Are you talking about USC? Yeah, Alabama, USC. Is that that Southern that's, Cal that's or the first South game? Cal? Southern Cal, yep. Southern Cal. They play Southern Cal the first game. Uh, is that in California or Alabama? It's in Dallas. We're they're playing games in Dallas. Playing, why are they playing in Dallas? Well, we don't. Well, we don't really know that, Mark. But that's what's happening. You know, nobody's really right. sure why. It doesn't matter where they're playing. Uh, I think the important thing is that whoever starts in Dallas because they're playing there apparently for some reason. Uh, it, I think it's probably going to be Cooper Bateman. He's going to platoon with Jalen Hurts, and eventually Jalen Hurts is going to take over as the season goes on. We saw last year with uh, uh, who, who was the quarterback for Alabama last year. What do you mean? We still talking about? Jake, Jake Coker? Coker? Yeah. yeah, Jake Coker. I remember I remember him from recruiting out of Mobile, committed to Florida State. Yeah, I remember. Okay, I'm sorry. <coughs> yeah, I told you once these guys get to college, I forget who they are. Mm -hmm. Jake Coker started, but I believe he actually got benched from one game. Is that correct? He did in the Ole Miss game. He got benched, and uh, your boy Cooper Bateman got put in, and Cooper Bateman just sort of assed up the joint. Uh, yeah, he, I, 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 I liked Cooper Bateman as a player. I didn't think he was an Alabama-type player when he committed to be real honest. I, I question his arm strength. Um, you know, he's from Utah, right? I don't and know. So I, I think I think the film that we saw from him in Utah was, you know, the, the air's real thin, so it looked like he could throw it farther than he actually can. Mm. 
And so well, I think he also think got a little trouble. He, he was brought into Ole Miss to run the run the zone read. He just couldn't manage to run the zone read. He didn't know when to tuck. He didn't know when to throw. He didn't know what to do with the ball. Well, I trust your opinion on, on that. No, I, think, I, I, didn't, just, I didn't know if you'd seen him run the. He's not run. a zone read quarterback. I can tell you that much, but from watching his film in high school. Okay. All right. That's, that's not that's not what he excels at. He's more of a honestly, he's more of a West Coast offense type of passer. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm talking about they run the short timing routes, three to five yard slants, and they're and they're you know, you know that the old Bill Walsh offense. More of a Joe that's, Montana. Yeah, there you go, Joe Montana. All right, uh, that's really the offense he's fit for. I'm not sure he's a real fit for Lane Kiffin's offense. Just because Lane Kiffin's from California, that doesn't mean, mean he runs the West Coast offense. I want to make clear of that to all the listeners. They're two different things. Yeah, and, so, and, and so I, I just don't think he's a good fit for Lane Kiffin's offense. I really question his ability to stretch the ball down the field. And that's why I think at the end of the year, he's not going to be out in a starting quarterback. All right. That's, a, that's an important hot take that I'm glad you made. Let me ask this question, building off of the Jalen Hurts uh, sources we're hearing. On a scale of kind of pretty cool to I just wet myself, how are we feeling about Hertz as a true freshman? So think about the the things you are doing and thinking and probably saying at age 18, uh, taking the tide to Oxford and Baton Rouge. You're asking me? That, I'm, asking, that... I'm asking the group. Yeah, um, I don't know anything about the kid, to be honest with you, as a... I mean, I, I think probably, uh, uh, you know, I don't an eighteen year old. I, I don't know anything about his disposition and what's what not. Uh, I think asking an eighteen year old to go into Baton Rouge is a lot. Uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, either whoever it is, it's going to be a first year quarterback. So I don't know that it makes a whole lot of difference how old they are if they've got the skills. Um, and I think Baton Rouge is late enough. I don't really, Oxford doesn't really bother me, but going, it's just not loud. It's, it's not, you know, it's not a troublemaker. Maybe different I, this year, but yeah, that's true. Um, but Baton Rouge is late enough in the game that maybe yeah. he's got, and he'll have, he'll have had to go to Knoxville before then. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, there's some, there's, I mean, like we talked about this last week, there's some trouble spots on the schedule, just the way it sets up. If anybody who would, whoever it is, is going to have to go into some hostile environments and make some plays. Mark, anything? Uh, I, I, I. Mark, are you there? Can you hear? We got me? you. We got you. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm audio difficulties. Um, you know, just for my playing day, day when I played on JV in high school, uh, it, it was all about which quarterback won the team over. Mm. And the team's going to play better if they're playing for a quarterback. I believe in just because he's 18 going into Baton Rouge or Knoxville or wherever out or Dallas apparently wherever out <laughs> this year. I, I, the important thing is that you have a quarterback who has won the team. Just because you put a guy out there, twenty two, uh, and he hadn't won the, you know, it's a twenty two guys on the team, eleven guys on offense at one time. If you've got one guy who's playing well and the other ten aren't. Well, that's, that's not very good. What you want is a guy, ten guys, or have the other a guy who will get the other ten guys to play for him, regardless how old he is. So I think you're real. Uh, honestly, I think you're really over over. I don't know. I think you're you're overthinking this a bit about him being 18. If the kid could play and went over the team, I think I don't think see him having a problem going into these hostile environments like Dallas and 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 winning a game for you. 
All right, that'll work, Mark. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Mets, you wanted to talk about some uh, storylines this year, correct? Like yeah, and, and I would say we've probably covered storyline number one with the QB controversy as it is. Uh, we still got a couple more weeks to bat that one around till we know anything more. Uh, I think another one that a lot of people will be tuning into and one that really I just want to use to plug – Alex Scarborough's fantastic piece uh, on ESPN.com this past weekend is the Lane Kiffin saga. We are now entering year three of Joey Freshwater and everything that that means both on and off the field. Uh, I think we can all agree that it's been a great success. Who is Joey you know, he's taken a bunch of these, these guys that Mark studies so closely and turned them into... NFL, if not players, then may, may I ask a question? Oh, please. Who who is Joey Freshwater? Well, we'll get. Well, I'll, I'll get to the, I'll get you to that off off air. I don't think it's fit for public consumption, and it might be too much for your virgin ears. All right, I, that's not some some recruit that I don't know about. It's not. It's not. Okay. Uh, it's 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 an alter ego of Mike. I, I, take, I take a lot of pride knowing these players, and I don't remember Joey Freshwater. So I'm I'm sorry. Y'all go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm glad we got to clarify that. That's that's a good point. Uh, but I think, you know, we're, we're now entering Lane Kiffin year three at Alabama. And what do you think? There's got to be the last one, huh? I think it's a lot. Well, I think he, I think if he does with, with Jalen Hurts, what he did with Blake Sims, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. I mean, cause he's, he's, I think he's proven himself. I hope he seems to have grown up a good bit. Uh, and like I said, if he, if he can make a freshman quarterback into a national championship contender, then uh, I think he's, I think he's shown himself to be equipped to be a head coach again. But I don't know where he'd be. I don't know where he'd go. Well, no, I don't either. And I don't know if he'd be my first choice as an AD. Right. But uh, I think, yeah, I think I'd be willing to make the make the leap at this point. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody said the same thing last year, right? They did, yeah. Uh, true. So, I, I, if he didn't leave last year, my thoughts are he's not going to leave except for an NFL coordinator job, and I'm not sure what NFL team would hire him, uh, or he'd leave for a, a big time college job. I don't see him taking a mid major college job, mm. uh, and so if, if you're in that situation, I think he's got a pretty good gig here. Um, you know, everybody's talking about him leaving. I, I don't think he's going to spend the rest of his career here. But, you know, at some point we got to say, all right, you know, talking about him leaving every year. I don't mean to diminish your point. I think he's going to leave eventually. Right. But from what I'm hearing, he's relatively happy there, and he's not going to leave unless it's a big-time job. And, and somebody made a great point earlier. I believe it was, it was I don't know, it was one of you. Yeah, he's, you know, is, is a big-time AD going to hire him? Right. And uh, how much rehabilitation of his image does he have to do? And I think that's the real question here. I agree. Yeah. All right, uh, we got one last thing I wanted to talk about. If you don't have anything else, you got anything else, Mets on the? No, hot no. All right, one last thing I want to talk about is Maurice Smith. Uh, a little background on Maurice Smith: He was a defensive back that wasn't getting any playing time except for special teams, and he wanted to transfer to Georgia. Now, the problem with that initially is why? Why is he wanting to start transfer to go play for a coach in Kirby Smart that started a freshman ahead of him? But nevertheless, here we are. So we got it. We got. Uh, Southeastern Conference rule that says you cannot, as a graduate transfer, transfer to another Southeastern Conference school without sitting out a year. 
Uh, he wanted a waiver. Now, we gave a waiver to Chris Black to go to Missouri, presumably because he kept getting injured here. I don't know. Maybe we thought the air was not was different in Missouri. Maybe we wouldn't get hurt so much in Missouri. I don't know if we did. We let him go. But so now this guy has no real reason to transfer other than he just wants to. Uh, and so we decided he's a special snowflake, made all kinds of brouhaha about all that. Uh, so Saban said, fine, you get your waiver, put it on the Southeastern Conference's plate and said, y'all do whatever you want to do with it. So the, the Southeastern Conference said, fine, you can go, but you've got a world of conditions to deal with. They put it basically in George's lap saying, all right, he wants to, he wants to get a graduate degree in public health, despite the fact that University of Alabama has the seventh best public health program in the nation. But nevertheless, here he goes. So they put a lot of a lot of uh, conditions on him. He's got to do nine hours. He's got to complete nine hours every semester. He's got to graduate by 2018. And if none of that happens, Georgia is basically screwed. They can't take any more graduate transfers until he either graduates or 21 or at 21 2021 rolls around. So with all that in in mind, what are we thinking about the graduate transfer rule, and how does it how does it affect Alabama going forward? Because it's basically the Wild West now. If that's the rule, if you get a, you don't need a waiver anymore, you could just go wherever you want to go now. Uh, how does that affect? Because I don't really care about people transferring out. How does that affect Coach Saban and his ability to bring people in? Yeah, it's sort of a nut situation to picture, and I'm glad you kind of set the stage the way you did. Because if there's anything about you know, these college football narratives, it's that you got to hear both sides. Right, right. Got to hear both sides. Always. And uh, And I, I hadn't even heard some of those details about the public health major. Glad to know that uh, dear Maurice has such goals. Right, right, right. But uh, as far as the rule itself, I think you're exactly right. It probably is a net gain for Alabama if uh, they just decide to open up these transfers to anyone it's a little silly to even think of telling somebody, no, we're not going to let you go to school there, in my mind. Right. Um, and, and you just sort of, if you play it out a little bit, I'm not sure it's that hard to see our coaches approaching opposing players on the sidelines after games. Like, is that okay? Right. It's I mean, a, it's the, like I said, it's the Wild West at this point now. Yeah, it is. You whatever so, you want to do. No, and I, and I think we're on the same page as far as we think it, doesn't really hurt the program. I don't have all this uh, deep-seated attachment to amateurism, quote-unquote. So I'm not going to get on a moral high ground and talk about what this means for academics and morality of the game, because I think we said goodbye to that quite some time ago, probably when Philip Fulmer accepted a head coaching job. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I, whatever. Well, I know it's not a it's not a film issue for you, though. But uh, you got any hot takes on that, Mark? I, I'm sorry, I, I was breaking down film. What, what oh, what's the question? Again? Gotcha, gotcha. If you need to get to breaking down, I know this is not your area of expertise. If you need to break down some film, we understand. Yeah, I, I, from what I understand, I'm just glad to hear that Marie Smith cares about his education. I think it's unfortunate for Alabama that he decided to pursue that elsewhere. But I always tell the kids the most important thing when I talk to them as recruits is to get an education. And so, if he as long as he's getting education, I think it's you know it's fine. I realize that there are a lot of uh, problems associated with that logistically. But me personally, I'm just glad to hear the kid. I know the kid. I followed him in his recruiting. I got to know him and his family a bit. And, and, and knowing them, I'm, I'm very glad to hear he wants to continue his education. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mark, while we've got you, uh, I agree with that, that sentiment. That's really nice. 
Uh, how do you sort of establish most of your relationships with these high school players you follow? Well, it's mostly through the coaches. I know a lot of the coaches mm-hmm. in the area. You know, I've said it before, I've been doing this since the late 70s, so I've gotten to know a lot of coaches and a lot of developed, and, and those coaches have moved on to athletic direct positions or, or school administration. And so I know them then. So I, what really what, – I just started as a grassroots campaign early on, yeah. and I get to know the coaches. And, and word of mouth, and I can use other coaches in reference, that's really how I get to know uh, these guys and really get all these information on those players. You know, some coaches, you know, they're going to tell you the truth about a kid. Some coaches are going to lie to you to try to inflate the player. Um, and I know who those are. I'm not going to mention any names. Uh, but but I, I've, I've been very blessed to have these relationships and, 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 and be able to trust a lot of these coaches with that information and get to know them. And, and sometimes coaches will call me in and try to give some advice to the families of where to go and what I know. I try to be as uh, impartial as I possibly can. In that situation, I'm not a fan of, of any college team. Again, I just watch. I'm a big fan of the high school game. Right. So uh, that's really how I've gotten to know these players and these coaches. I'm real blessed uh, to have those relationships and be able to help out these kids. And I love watching these kids grow physically and mentally throughout their high school careers. You know, you hear about these recruits getting younger and younger. You know, they're falling recruiting. You have to go younger and younger, and that's true for me as well. I would never imagine scouting an eighth grade kid back 30 years ago when I started, but that's the world we live in now. And uh, But that's good because you can watch the kid develop as a player and watch them get better, uh, not only physically as they turn to a man and get those really developed bodies that you see at the college level, uh, but really develop mentally and, and, and really become become men. And that's really what I love to do and watch that development, and that's that's what I'm a big fan of. I went on a little tangent there. I apologize. Hey. But uh, that's really how I've gotten into the game and gotten to know all these players. Well, we can't thank you enough that's right. for joining us, uh, Mark. As, as we mentioned earlier, you can find Mark Jennings on a podcast on AL.com with uh, Drew Champlin, and I'll tell you, those podcasts are worth every, worth every dime you paid for them, which is nothing. But they're still fantastic, and I would uh, – Highly recommend you check those out. Uh, he, I, you, Mark, you do an Alabama podcast. You do an Auburn podcast. You do all kind of podcasts, Drew, don't you? Yeah, I do an Alabama and an Auburn podcast. Um, I, I'm afraid that if I start taking on other teams, it'll take away from me breaking down film. I'm not saying I couldn't, but I, I, I'll analyze players. It used to be just players in the southeast. But my territory has really expanded to players all across the country. A lot has to do with recently been able to go see all these national players and still having some connections across the country, but it's mostly a and a southeastern uh, recruiting basis I'm, I'm analyzing and, and looking at those players, and, and it just happens that a lot of those players in the state of Alabama. Fantastic. All right, well, that'll do it mm-hmm. for another edition of Houndstooth Heroes. We will be back uh, fairly soon. We've got about 20 days before the USC game. We're gonna, we'll get into uh, those first games and some uh, where you might want to throw your bones uh, and lose some money on those first games. We'll get into that. We're also going to have a uh, friend of the program, Charlie Pond, join us uh, the next time we uh, fire this baby up. We're going to talk about baseball recruiting, where apparently new coach Greg Goff is lighting up the recruiting trail. So we got that to talk about in addition to a preview of the games. you got that to look forward to. Remember, you can still check the website by the same name, Houndstooth Heroes. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at H2th Heroes. Thanks again for listening. Take us home, Mr. Metz. And I'd like to add one thing we've recently discovered is that you can review podcasts. Yes. We heard about this. And so if you think this is a horrible podcast, uh, the way to show that is to put five stars in the thing. Right, And right. then you can, you can tell us how horrible we are. All right.
We'd enjoy it. All right, y'all be good. Roll Tide.